It's very important that we have this perpetual thirst to learn. If you're not willing to learn, no one can help you. But if you're willing to learn, no one can stop you. This is The Playbook. I have a hero of mine. I know he is humble enough to accept it. Uh, I, he's a mentor. He inspires me. He motivates me. Uh, and he raises my vibration and my frequency. So uh, that empowerment has allowed me to be a better human being. Les Brown, CEO of Les Brown International, an incredible inspirational and motivational speaker. And there is a difference. Incredible author, former DJ and TV host. Welcome to The Playbook. Well, thank you very much. And you have been a mentor to me. I've learned a lot from you. And I believe in you model and modify. So I feel like, Paul, all that I have, I received. <laughs> and I received wow. a lot from you. <laughs> thank you. And you can't give what you don't receive. And I think a part of my journey has been learning to receive, not just to give. And you have such you know, an open mind and open heart and open hands. Was there ever a time that you had to learn the power of receiving more than just being such a giver? I had to learn how to receive because I didn't know. I, you know, when you when you don't know and you know you don't know, right. you're just a sponge. So I was just a very proactive sponge listening to Earl Nightingale. Zig Ziglar, Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, and various people just to help to expand my vision beyond myself and my mental conditioning and my circumstances. I just, there was something in me that says, this just can't be it. I want something more. And it created a hunger in me. And so I, I've been a perpetual sponge to this day at 77. <laughs> you, look, you look great and you feel great and Thank you are you. hungry. I, I, I use your vernacular all the time and say, I'm hungry. Are you guys hungry? And you have a new program, a challenge, Hungry to Speak, three-day challenge. Uh, but it goes beyond speaking. You know, it, it is truly you know, at hungrytospeak.com, a way to learn how to tap into your potential, tap into that energetic and genetic inheritance that we all have uh, received. Yes. Well, we have we have expanded it. That's the that's the old recording they have out there. Hogartospeak.com. I got to get on my tech person. <laughs> I, I, I yeah, switched, tell us what it is. Yeah. CoachMeLessBrown.com. CoachMeLessBrown.com. Because as you know, we've gone from brick and mortar to click and order. And, and people have to be able to express themselves to communicate. But more importantly, People need to have the mental resolve to handle the stuff that's coming at us every day. In less than 60 days, I've lost four members of our family to COVID-19. And, 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 and so when you think about life is still coming at us and it's, it's, it, and it's, it's polluted with this virus that you can swap breath with somebody and it, 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 it can cost you your life. I mean, it's one thing when somebody's breath is kicking like Bruce Lee, okay? <laughs> I got the, it's gonna smell so bad, I'm gonna die. <laughs> you know? 
it's not funny, but it's funny. <laughs> so, so this is a different place where we are. So I say, you know, we need some guidance. We, and so what I'm doing is helping people to go to a place in themselves that they can't go by themselves. At this time, we all need mental resolve and, and, and the, the wherewithal to know that what we're going through, we will get through. That's number one. Number two, we need to know the value of creating a community. And that's what you have with your podcast, a community of collaborative, achievement-driven, supportive relationships. You can't do this thing called life by yourself now. And the third thing is that, that it's very important that we have this perpetual thirst to learn. If you're not willing to learn, no one can help you. But if you're willing to learn, no one can stop you. So even at 75, I don't believe I've done my best work yet. My goal is to be a grave robber, to rob the cemetery of my talents, my abilities, my skills, my voice, and the ability to train people how to tell their story. It's amazing. And you do such a great job at it. And, you know, there's three things that I've learned by listening to you, reading your books, being around you. Uh, you simplify things for me. You know, one, David, just do your best, right? Th this idea of being hungry is about being the best that you can be, to have a desire that you must be what you can be. But then two, as you just stated, to learn the lessons, right? If we're doing our best and learning lessons, then number three, we can have fun. We don't take ourselves so seriously. I call it radical humility. We started talking about you with this radical humility of, I don't know what I don't know. Where so many people, when they reach the age of, uh, of 77, uh, they come on with this, you know, ignorant uh, arrogance. They know in their heart, when you're 77, because I'm 53, when you get to be over 50, you know you don't know what you don't know, even with your own children. You sit there and give them advice, and you sit there and, you know, I, I sit there and say, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. And sometimes I want to tell them it's not for their own good. I Don't listen to me. Just here's what I know. You take it, make your best guess, you know, but have fun doing it. Uh, how important are all those three, you know, you, you talked about here, you and I have this sense of humor, th this great light in our heart that we both lost a lot of family members to COVID but yet we can still smile and be grateful for having the time that we have with them, but we're not gonna let, it's not our time. I'm not afraid of death, but I ain't ready to die. No, I'm, no I don't mind dying. I just don't wanna be there. <laughs> <laughs> you get that stunt, the Les Brown stunt double. <laughs> right. <laughs> I like it. Yes, you know, the I'm not a, a, a religious person. Religious people are afraid of going to hell. Yeah. Uh, spiritual people have been there. And hell to me is what you experience when you die and you meet the person that you were supposed to become and you see the work that you were supposed to do. And so I talk about live full and die empty to die a life of no regrets. Because if you think about that, that play Simba, you're more than that which you have become. So I'm, I'm chasing that guy. I know there's more in me. I know uh, I was talking the other day and a friend called me after I finished doing a podcast. And he said, man, you, you, you all over the internet. I said, yeah, what are you doing? He said, oh man, I've lived my life. I said, are you calling me from the cemetery? <laughs> 
I yeah. said, I didn't know people who had who were taking dirt naps that they have phone privileges. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You still got a pulse. You still here to about you have lived your life. And so most people die at age 25 and don't get buried until they're 65. And I think that we should all continue to do what you're doing is helping people to live until they leave here and not leave prematurely just being here physically, but being an active force for good in life for generations yet unborn. I agree. And I see that, you know, a lot of people live their life like tubes, food in, food out. And, <laughs> you know, and it just is so, uh, you know, disappointing. I'm going to borrow that from you. Thank you. you food in, food out. Yeah. Your tube. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I have four values and I'd love to go over those with you and get your interpretation of one, the importance of these four values, but two, how you effectuated them in your life. The number one is a common one between all great thought leaders that I've ever met, and it's gratitude. What does gratitude mean to you and how do you implement gratitude in your life as a practice? When I get up in the morning, the first thing that I think about is one, I'm here and I'm grateful. And I thank God for my voice, for my ability to still be actively engaged in life, for my family. I just discovered, Dave, just think about this. My birth family, I just laid eyes for the first time at 77 or a picture of my birth mother and father and connected with my birth family in, in Gainesville, Georgia. I, I never knew, something I always wanted to know. And so I'm grateful for that. And I asked God, what am I supposed to do with this? Well, my birth mother was a motivational speaker and my grandmother was a motivational speaker. They have a museum in her name, Beulah Rucker Museum. These were two very active people. And as I'm reading about them, what I've done is nothing compared to what they did during that time. And so it says to me, you, you've got to step up. You've got more work to do while you're still here and be grateful that you have the ability to do it. We live in the greatest country in the world that gives us an opportunity to live a life that will outlive us. That's amazing. And there's no doubt that energetic and genetic inheritance is showing itself and now inspiring you to even be a greater force of empowerment. The second one is truly something uh, that a lot of people get confused about and it's forgiveness. A lot of people don't understand how powerful forgiveness is. And so I was hoping that you could, you know, give us your perspective and importance of forgiveness in your life. I like what Mark Twain said. He said, forgiveness is a fresh fragrance, a rose leaves on the foot that crushed it. <laughs> all right i can take that that's a trade i'm gonna take that one from you <laughs> or from right or See, from a lot of people believe forgiving is forgetting forgiving is not forgetting it's remembering without anger or guilt and so just in my case i had to forgive my birth mother and father i was angry with them how could you give birth to someone and leave. But she did what she had to do. She was married. I was a secret, my twin brother and I. 
And so I'm grateful that she gave us to Mamie Brown. My birth mother, Beulah, I mean, Dorothy Bell Rucker, she gave me life. Mamie Brown taught me how to live life. I'm thankful for that. I'm grateful that she made that decision. She didn't have to, and I'm still here to keep her legacy alive. I sing this song, I got two mothers and I'm not ashamed. I got two mothers and I love them just the same. Oh, you can't handle my voice. You'll be one to put a <laughs> ring on it. I, lo <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, you sing all day long, man. I love it. Well, the, the third one, you know, my I grew up with a single mom and six kids and my dad left. Um, and I have forgiven myself for all the things that I've done to beat myself up over that. But my mom, powerful woman that she is, taught me about living above the line. She always would tell me, hey, son, there is no blame, shame, and justification. You, this is your story. You are a victor, not a victim. And you, to me, I get choked up thinking about some of the things I've learned from you about accountability and you know, taking control of our own lives because you could have easily been a victim so many different times in your life uh, with all the different issues that you faced and all the challenges that you faced, but you are one of the greatest victors that I know. And I believe accountability is one of the superpowers that has helped you become such a victor. How important is accountability and how do you execute on accountability in your life? It's very important. I remember the first home that I bought for my adopted mother and I didn't do a title search and we had to move out and go back to the roach infested house we moved her out of. And the neighbors were out looking, asking, Mamie, are y'all back? Yes, Leslie lost the house. And I was crying and feeling humiliated, feeling humiliated and, and unloading the truck. And mama came behind the truck and she said, Leslie? I said, yes, ma'am. Why are you crying, boy? I said, mama, I feel so sad. I feel stupid. I, I, I didn't know what I was doing and I, I failed you. I'm so sorry. And she said something to me, I'll never forget. She put her hand under my chin. She said, hold your head up, boy. You have nothing to be ashamed of. We still have each other. And that stayed with me that what's most important and what was most important to her, not that I bought her a house and lost it, but we still had each other. And I remember Jacqueline Onassis, and she said that if my children don't amount to anything and I earn all the money in the world and all the materialistic possessions, what do I have? And what she's saying is, hey, we have each other. And so my mother taught me in that moment, don't focus on things, focus on the people that mean so much to you because that's where the love is. And God is love and he who dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in them. Come on now, I'm waiting for you. Oh, that's why I love you and I feel part of you and so connected through you and help me through to other people. But you talked about love and faith and I made a transition in my life to understand and live in faith. I always thought money was my currency, the object of energy that I put into the flow to get what I want and I was good at it. I was great at it. 
and then my whole life got turned upside down. I lost my own mom's house and had to go to her house and say, hey, I went bankrupt and forgot to take your house out of mine. Only reason I wanted to be rich was to buy my mom a house in a car and I had to take it away. And she had the same belief as you told me, it's okay. Do you need any money? She didn't get care. She had to move. And to me, I understood and learned a great lesson about faith. And the faith that I have is determinative upon there is an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source. You call it what you want that cares as much about me that my mom cared about me. The only difference is it's omniscient, all-powerful, and all-knowing. And as much as I would have loved my mom to be omniscient, all-powerful, and all-knowing, she wasn't. And neither am I as a parent. And as you know, neither are you. Uh, and so for you, what does faith mean to you? And how do you utilize it in the same respect? Well, when I wake up in the morning, one of the things I say, all things work together for good, for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, I didn't say all things work together and are good. All things work together for good. So I have faith that even when things don't work out the way that I want them to work out, it's okay. Because what I know is faith not tested can't be trusted. I am going to be recognized by Cancer Centers of America in about two weeks. They called me the Cancer Centers of America fighter, me and one other person. I'm a 29-year prostate cancer, fourth-stage cancer survivor. And what has kept me here has been my faith. I, I remember when a doctor said to me, he said, your PSA is 2,400. I said, what does that mean? And he said, one to four is normal. Cancer's metastasized to seven areas of your body. This 29 years ago. And has eaten 43% of your T1 vertebrae. I said, is there anything else? He said, yes. And you're ugly too. <laughs> I said, oh my God. And then you said, and then you said, let me sing to you. You'll really love it. Right. <laughs> but then he said, and it was very strategic how you did that. Because how, when people listen to you, what you do is distract, dispute, and inspire. As you know, how people live their lives is a result of the story they believe about themselves. So he distracted me from the fear. And he said at that moment, as we both were laughing, but you got this. He said, I never tell my patients they're terminally ill. What I say is that my talents, my abilities, my skills have terminated. Now it's on you and God to work this out, to do your part. And Zig Ziglar said, most people in a fearful situation, they forget everything and run. But there's some, because of their faith, in a fearful situation, they face everything and rise. And so I left there not with a heart full of fear, but a heart full of faith. As Zig said, fear, false evidence appearing real, faith, finding answers in the heart. And I said as I left there, Lord, whatever I face today, together you and I can handle it. We got this. And 29 years later, the cancer rate in my neighborhood dropped by 
97%. (laughs) I would tell tell you right before the pandemic, I received a book in my office. It was called, You've Got to Be Hungry. And I took that book and I think three days later, I closed my office. It was a sports business, a sports marketing business revolving around the greatest and biggest sporting events in the world, all shut down within a day. The Super Bowl, the Pro Bowl, the Masters, Kentucky Derby, Breeders' Cup, ESPYs, Emmys, Oscars, Grammy. I can't tell you how many millions of dollars of deposits, employees, overhead that was running on this. And I had that book in my hand and I said, man, I'm hungry, right? (laughs) I got faith. This is the opportunity I've been waiting for. I got to find my higher self. And I just want to thank you for the bottom of my heart, Les, because that book uh, has changed my life. Uh, I have, uh, keep it with, with me, my friend, because, you know, I have read a lot of great authors and uh, my life is better than it's ever been. But even more importantly, I've helped so many other people through this time, losing people, losing jobs, losing houses, all their faith. But your book, I can't tell you how many times, before we start, are you hungry, Right. Are you hungry, man? Because if you ain't hungry, I can't help you. But if you if you want to come to the table and rise up and tell yourself, I got the skills, the knowledge, and desire, I just got to realign them, re-engineer them, reorganize them to something that's doing well, something that's stable, or something I think that's going to be doing well, we'll all be fine. You can beat anything if you have that faith. So I appreciate that book. I appreciate you, your wisdom, your guidance, and your friendship. Uh, I, you have great events. I know you're doing the, the, the conference in Anaheim in a few days and you got your books and speaking. You are an amazing icon. Thank you so much for making this world a better place. Les Brown, you are a friend. I love you. Thank you. I love you. And I'm giving you a big virtual hug. <laughs> right on.